This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with, I want to say a great guest, but this time around she's going to be a great interviewer. We'll talk about that in a moment. She is a dancer, an arts administrator, and my partner in life, among many other things. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. It's me. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Bordering on Mario. Uh, that It's me. It's pretty great. That is what was in my head when I was saying it. <laughs> oh man, I'm happy to be interviewed by you, but I would also be be happy to be interviewed by Mario or Super Mario or Dr. Mario, any of the Marios. Well, just so we're clear, if that's what you want and I'm the one who's in the house, all of the questions are going to be, it's a me. It's a me? It's question a me? mark? It's a me. It's a me? Hmm. Poor, poor Mario. Poor Mario has amnesia. It's a me? Uh, anyway, uh, what we're going to do today is uh, a friend actually suggested Hey, have you ever done an episode of your podcast where you talk about writing? Because every time I see you, I ask you what you're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm working on this writing. He's like, you should do an episode. So I was like, oh, yeah, I should. Um, so I thought it would be really fun uh, to have Sarah interview me. So for this main part of the uh, the interview, I don't even know what the questions are. So it will be really, really fun to be on the other side. Not literally. I'm sitting where I normally sit. <laughs> Not physically on the other side, but metaphorically on the other side of the Obsessed podcast. Yes. Here we go. All right. Uh, so today's topic is writing. <laughs> Just in case you weren't aware, I wanted to say that again. <laughs> I, I love that because it sounds like we're doing a PBS show. <laughs> Tomorrow's topic is reading. Today on Sesame Street, the color yellow. Um, but... First, writing. Later, yes. the color yellow. Yes. Um, but I'd like you to start with just a little bit about what the topic writing means to you. When you say writing, what do you mean? Yeah, I think my mind naturally goes to something that is this division between extremely creative and extremely, I don't want to say technical, like structural. Because mm -hmm. I think, uh, and a lot of people think of writing they're really talking about like the art or the science where you are figuring out the structure of like a specific thing. If you are writing a comic book or if you are writing a screenplay or if you are writing a 22 minute uh, sitcom for a, a major channel, not cable, you know, everybody right. has like very big ideas of like a, a sort of structurally what writing is. So my mind does go to that. Mm -hmm. But I think just hearing the word writing, my mind goes to creativity to a, a chance to like explore and create and to use structure so it makes sense and is joyful to an audience. Yeah. Do you have a visual idea in your head when you say writing? Uh, because you just created a visual image for me, so I'm curious if you have one. I do, well, I, being a writer, I have a couple of visual <laughs> metaphors <laughs> for writing. Um, I think uh, when I literally think about it for myself, there are a couple photos that you have taken of me Mm, writing mm -hmm. and when I think like I should get to writing it sometimes helps to think of those things because they're fun like you took a photo of me well uh, when we were in London and we were both needed to do some writing and I just brought a paper and pen and I'm sitting in a nice like kind of Barker lounger chair uh, mm -hmm. with a beer in my hand and uh, writing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the the reality of it is you know 
pajama pants uh, alone at home on a laptop. Uh, but it's fun to sometimes picture that romantic thing. So yeah. for myself writing, I, I try to reconnect to that image of like, anything could happen. Just decide what's next instead of, I have to get this done. I can't screw this up. Right. So if I that. just write it correctly, I could be writing in a comfy chair in a pub in London. Well, it just gets into that looser <laughs> feel. Like, obviously, yeah. on some point, you're going to have to really structure it and make sure that it kind of works in the way that you want it to or the way, if you're being paid to write, the way whoever's paying you wants it to work. Mm-hmm. But I just like recreating, uh, reconnecting to the romance and the idea of anything can happen and it's creativity and that's why we do it. Mm-hmm. If we wanted to just do something absolutely correct, we could make a spreadsheet, you know? <laughs> I just have to interject. <laughs> Spreadsheets, Spreadsheets are can creative. also be a form of creativity. Absolutely. Just so maybe I'll say data entry, right? There's something that is <laughs> right. the only goal of it is to be structurally correct and have the proper information. Right. You like know, if you're doing a scientific test, you have to follow it a certain way. Yeah. I yeah. believe. Yeah. Yeah. The other visual metaphor mm-hmm. is for me a building a house or a building mm-hmm. where the goal like the uh you have to build a really really good foundation mm-hmm. and then i think a lot of times what makes the building the building or the room is the interior decorating Interesting. so i try to divide like writing goals like when you're making an outline or when you're fixing something say it's like a really traditional three-act screenplay you have to make sure like i have the foundation uh, that room does connect to that room. I didn't accidentally build a you know a house where there is no hallway <laughs> unless you're breaking the rules and that's the goal. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes when you get that finished with that, it's sort of like well, what's what's special or creative about that? And sometimes I think about that as going going back through and just giving it flavor and tone. And you can write an outline where it is kind of blank hero, you know, responds to threat in this relatively traditional way but when you go back through and you do the interior decorating and you Mm -hmm. say who is this person why do they do that even if they're saying a traditional thing how do they say it and that to me feels like choosing to paint your your wall orange and then put up a degas that's different you know (laughs) right as opposed to like red or red orange yeah i love that that's a great image. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. What a polite podcast we're having. <laughs> right? So I know a lot of your history and yes. a lot of the things that you've written uh, over your life, but some of the people listening to this podcast might not have as full an understanding of your writing experience as I do. So can you just talk a little bit about, about both what you're writing right now, but also the wide variety of types of projects you've worked on uh, throughout your writing career? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I definitely consider myself a writer, and it's where one of my nouns that I lead with on the mm-hmm. Obsessed Podcast. I I try to list people's nouns, but then I often ask, like, did I get them right? And for me, writer is definitely a noun. But it is, uh, I think, both a gift and a curse that I have done lots of different things. Because I look at other people on social media, and they're like, I am a screenwriter, or I write animation, or, mm-hmm. you know, even I am write you know, uh, cartoon strips on the internet. I, like, I write web strips and that's, I'm a writer, but that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like uh, I have things that I like to do, but I've, I've done a lot. Uh, I started writing basically sketch comedy because I wanted to perform and I didn't, I didn't particularly think of myself as, yes, a writer is who I want to be. I just wanted to have things to say that I liked, so I wrote them. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then that really bloomed into doing a lot of plays, doing a lot of one-act plays, two-act plays, a lot of things in the Fringe Festival, sometimes for other people to perform, often for myself to perform or direct. Uh, 
And then I have uh, written, uh, you know, some television episodes uh, on spec and uh, actually on the television and uh, movies and then just so many different things in terms of self-performance, like storytelling, stand-up shows, uh, and then a lot of writing for hire. I've written historical monologues for actual historical characters. I've written awards shows for General Mills, and there used to be the uh, Ivy Awards in the Twin Cities, where so I've written multiple award shows. I wrote mm-hmm. text for a Chuck Norris video game, just like <laughs> so, like, and I know like right now I'm forgetting like some major part of my life because it's so many different things. So for me, it's a, a weird and interesting approach that I think of myself as I create to use the architecture thing of like sometimes I build hotels sometimes I build playground gyms for kids (laughs) like uh you know I've done so many different kinds of writing so that some of the die hard rules of writing oh I wrote a book I forgot about that uh I self-published it was mostly mostly short stories I honestly think of social media depending on how I'm using it that day of writing Mm because there's sometimes I sit down and like I want to craft a joke that has like or a tweet that has, like, a story to it, you know? Or has, like, such a very specific point that it's writerly. I think some tweets can just be, I'm reacting to the world. Mm -hmm. But others are, like, approaching them in a really writerly way. So, like, it'd just be, like, writing lots of different forms has been a huge part of my life for a long time. And am I correct that with the exception of writing you've done for hire, pretty much everything has been uh, comedy-influenced writing? Yes, I've written very few things that aren't comedy or don't have an element of comedy. Uh, yeah, I had the weird job of writing some interactive fiction for the company that makes the Pokemon Go video game. And that was just like you unlock something and you get like a weird hint. Uh, but it was also about this ongoing story about a person's life that if you unlocked a certain thing, you'd, and it was it had some elements of Lovecraft, but it was kind of horror and those are always the really weird assignments when you're really, really writing on a postage stamp of Mm -hmm. like, we just need two lines of text about this and that's it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Make it fun and interesting. Go. (laughs) Exactly. And you've also written once, twice, the kind of the story of somebody's life in a performance setting that then that person came and saw. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That has happened twice. Uh, The bigger one is uh, at the... Well, I performed the, didn't really write it. I, oh, right. I performed oh, yes. uh, the Dudley Riggs show mm-hmm. about uh, Dudley Riggs for people who are not in the improv comedy scene, maybe not from the Twin Cities. He started a comedy theater that was, you know, improv in sketch, you know, back in the day in the 50s. Uh, and then I was in a show that was about his life and got to play him. And in a way, I got to do some writing because there was one improv scene where uh-huh. I had to improv <laughs> as another human being while he watched. And I was like, I hope you're okay with you saying this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but another thing I did at the uh, History Center mm-hmm. in uh, St. Paul, uh, there was a Greatest Generation exhibit, Minnesota's Greatest Generation. And they had all of these archival interviews that they'd done with people of the generation that, that grew up in World War II and beyond. And uh, they had a bunch of writers say, like, just kind of flip through these and see if anything interests you. Uh, and I found this interview with a man named Stuart Lindman who uh, served in World War II and was like a very sensitive, soft-spoken person, uh, ended up being a broadcaster who was really well-known in the Twin Cities and then kind of uh, 
tried to be sort of an ambassador of goodwills and uh, in goodwill and ended up meeting presidents and having all this kind of uh, fantastic life, but started in radio and just really loved radio. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, this is this is a guy whose life has kind of touched. He has stories from the entire span of the greatest generation. Uh, so I ra- wrote a radio play about his life because he loved radio and it had like live Foley and it was mostly comedy, but it was mm-hmm. also it had a comedic flair because he was also somebody who was just like, I like nice things. It's it's too bad that some bad things have happened, but I like, you know, so I was mm-hmm. trying to keep it relatively pleasant, but I wanted to be honest to his life. Yes, yeah, says mm-hmm. the person who is in World War Two. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And one of the things that he talks about that just viscerally grabbed me is his I can't remember if it was his first combat but a moment of combat in World War II where he had his gun trained on an enemy and he was having a hard time bringing himself to shoot and everybody else was yelling at him to shoot and it was only when it was very very clear that uh, someone on his side was going to be murdered mm-hmm. if he didn't pull the trigger and mm-hmm. he finally just said to himself okay wow so yeah, one day he we performed this, you know, I think like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday or whatever it was <laughs> at the History Center for multiple summers. But the first summer he uh, he came to the show mm-hmm. uh, and was sitting in the front row. And this was like a little space with, you know, no darkened lighting. You can yeah. see the audience, 20 people sitting there. Um, and he was sitting there with his wife. And when that moment came, he just squeezed her hand like to get through it oh and then afterwards i was like oh man i was trying to be honest about your life and yeah. but he came up afterwards he's like well thank you for making my life so more exciting than it was <laughs> <laughs> but he was very sweet about it but it was it was such a surreal experience and yeah definitely something where you do think about the power of writing or creation or the responsibility of it where you know from from one perspective you could go like Oh, you wrote a fifty-minute play for history theater. I'm like, mm, that's how does how does that make you a big deal in the world of writing? But like, mm-hmm. it, in so many ways, that's like one of the most profound moments of writing that I will ever do to see that reaction from the human being that it was about. Yeah, yeah, and really taking that idea of taking the very specific one person's ex- example, but having it be indicative of you know greatest generation yeah both making an impact in his life but also a lot of other people's lives yeah with that example yeah so yeah yeah, that was powerful very cool thank you we're gonna jump (laughs) back (laughs) i need to be a more polite interviewer apparently so i'm curious uh, because i don't think this is something that i actually know uh what role did writing play in your childhood uh you know writing was really subservient to drawing okay because that just uh runs in my family the uh i i believe that we are descendant from people who did scrimshaw the art of carving on whalebone and my dad still does it my dad is an exceptional artist he is very good at scrimshaw Uh, he is very good at scrimshaw and he has some like old paintings he've done he's done he did like uh he got he had a weird story where like he was a janitor at a high school, and he like drew on the chalkboard, and then he got somebody saw that, and he got a said like, "Let me get you a scholarship." Like that's why my parents moved to Minneapolis a scholarship for MCAD. Wow. But, yeah. So, like, I think I knew about the scholarship. But I didn't realize it was because he had yeah, just, it was totally like, like yeah. drawn a doodle on the yeah, chalkboard. It's like totally from. So anyway, uh, the the point is, uh, uh, there was some of the first things that anybody any positive compliments the world ever gave me. I was like, oh, your little doodles that everybody does when they're kids are, are 
good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really invested in that. So a lot of any early writing is I wanted to do a comic strip. Uh, like when we were moving to Los Angeles and going through all of our stuff, I found like this old comic book I did of like Captain Cat. <laughs> and there's a panel where Captain Cat is shocked because his uh, wife cat is pregnant. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he says, what? Yeah. But it was just because I wanted to draw and then I was just writing stories. So I wasn't just drawing in the abstract. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So was there a time you kind of touched on this, but do you feel like there was ever a time when you consciously decided to be a writer or was it um, was it just that you always found yourself writing or you were writing because you wanted a thing to happen? Yeah, I think around the time. So I, I went to uh, college for visual art, mm-hmm. uh, for painting and drawing, and then uh, I, I liked it and I still do like it. But then I fell into performing and writing to create those performances. And I think I just discovered that I really, really liked writing. And like visual art, you know, it was a real transition time for me because I'd played the drums in high school too and a little bit in college and really thought that was what I was going to do, like maybe just be in a rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was really a shifting from like, I love visual art, I love drumming, but I'm a performer and a writer now, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was a really validating thing to have, uh, uh, like I had done some stuff from like a literary magazine, done writing there. But again, that was sort of like, I want a chance to be creative, so I'll try my hand. I'll write some short stories. I'll write some. So, but I never felt like I had sort of like earned the noun of writer Mm -hmm. until I started being a performer and creating my own things and writing for other people and seeing my words and my ideas come out of other people's mouths and other people going, good job. Then I felt like, Ooh, this is really validating to be a writer and to create this whole moving world rather than like the static image of a painting. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. More visual imagery. I like <laughs> so what is uh, the weirdest thing you've ever written about? Oh, wow. The weirdest thing I've ever written about. Oh, can I tell you the most embarrassing thing I ever, <laughs> sure. I ever wrote? I don't know if I've told you this. Okay, I'm ready. I tried to find it once uh, when I was doing storytelling uh, with this group in uh, Minneapolis called the Rockstar Storytellers. We had a themed night where we were all going to bring embarrassing writing from our youth. Okay. Um, and uh, this story needs a content warning. So uh, I remembered this embarrassing story, and I tried to find it for that, and I couldn't find it. I must have maybe at some point hidden it from myself. Yeah. So when I was writing for this uh, the literary magazine in high school, uh, I also really liked uh, jelly-filled donuts. Just like there's (laughs) – it was like uh, high school has its ups and downs, and when I was having a hard time, I'd be like, well, at least – at the end of the day, I can eat a jelly-filled donut. So it's like, I'll just write a fun thing about that. I think I was about 17, so okay. I should have known better. Uh, but I wrote this thing about, it was just supposed to be a funny thing about this frustration with the jelly donut. And it is about this person who bites the jelly donut. There's no jelly. So he bites the other side, and he bites and bites and bites until there's almost nothing left. And then he finally hits the pocket of jelly, and it just explodes in his mouth. And I showed it to my older brother, and he's like, is this about sex? <laughs> I was like, what? And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just had, it was just in my mind of like, just total innocent. Isn't it funny sometimes how you, like, it was so corny. Like, donut. isn't it sometimes funny how you bite into the jelly-filled donut, but you can't find the jelly? It was like this <laughs> hokey old thing. And then I accidentally wrote just this most incredibly obviously sexual metaphor about a donut. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I and did your do. literary uh, paper publish it? <laughs> no. <laughs> did you turn it in? I don't think so. Okay. No. <laughs> I really don't think so. Maybe I'd already turned it in. No, I don't think so. I okay. think I would have remembered. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. So that's, I should go uh, find a, a printed copy of somewhere. <laughs> uh, we have printed copies of the literary journals. Uh, but yeah, that's, I think, the most embarrassing. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now I know. Yeah. Some of the weirdest stuff is that specificity of like writing an awards show for General Mills and like doing that kind of thing where you're like somebody wants you to make fun of the way Deborah never puts, you know, the flap down on the PVC machine. Like, cool. I trust you that that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Har, har, har. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay. Uh, What are some of your writing inspirations? Ooh, do you mean other people? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah. Or however you, I, that's what I meant when I wrote the question, because I know at least one uh, for you, I think. But I'm, um, but take okay, the question well, no, wherever you want. But I want you to, I want to know who you're thinking. Well, I was thinking of Kurt Vonnegut. Yes. I mean, Kurt Vonnegut was like the, one of the authors that I absolutely loved uh, in my high school and college years. And I've revisited him as an adult and still mm-hmm. love his work. Um, so I think that was, you know, maybe that was part of, for me, the blocked in like high school of thinking, even though I was doing writing in a literary magazine, thinking like, I well, I can't be a, a writer. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it was because I so loved Kurt Vonnegut. I yeah. so loved Douglas Adams in mm-hmm. particular. I loved the Hitchhiker's Guidebooks. Um, I loved comic books. Honestly, like a lot of my kind of my big ideas about life came from some really well written comic books back mm-hmm. in the day where people were going through issues and figuring out, you know, big life things, Teen Titans in particular by Marv Wolfman, mm-hmm. a ton of great writing there. Um, yeah, so I think definitely as I've gotten older, I've realized like, oh, some of my style and some of my voice were inspired by writers that I like, like Vonnegut and Douglas Adams. Um, and then as I got older, like really being able to, like I had already always understood factually that television and movies were written by people. But mm-hmm. I think for me, writer was initially just such a, like, they put the words on the paper, and then I read them with my eyes. Right. Um, but uh, I think as, as I got into college, like, Lynch and mm-hmm. Twin Peaks mm-hmm. in particular were big influences on writing. And in particular, just that sort of creativity of how much writing can just create a mood and put an audience or a reader kind of to make them truly feel a different world Mm, you know and obviously Twin Peaks and Lynch that's you know not just writing it is the filmmaking and the acting and all that Mm -hmm. but it starts from such a place of writerly ideas yeah of how how do you create you know like the Twin Peaks pilot is incredibly well written it's it's well directed and it's well shot but like Cooper's monologue as he enters town is one of the best pieces of writing in anything ever filmed because mm-hmm. it lets you know exactly who he is and but it's fun and it's right i think the fact that twin peaks could be lots of different things was also really exciting to me yeah yeah that's great yeah and i don't mean to limit you to authors are there other inspirations that you wanted to share i think now as a writer i try to look at what i love the things that i love and what they make me feel and try to write things that get back to that feeling to recapture a specific feeling like I've been really um thinking a lot about Star Wars and about Lucas basically doing Star Wars because he couldn't get 
the rights um, to Flash Gordon mm-hmm. and that how much of Star Wars DNA is the mythology part of it gets talked about a lot. But there's so much of the Saturday afternoon serial. There's so much of early pulp adventures like where we really love you know, adventures and westerns and romance and comedy and how how can we mash those up and give them that cliffhanger energy of like characters always uh, out of the frying pan into the fire and like thinking through things like I like that so why yeah. how can I reconnect to that feeling in different ways? Mm-hmm. Um, or like I've always been a big fan, uh, not always uh, of uh, James Bond, uh, mm-hmm. Ian Fleming, the the actual books in particular, yeah, which are kind of a fascinating writing style mm-hmm. uh, by themselves. They're very journalistic of just for sort of factual. Of Bond walked over here, Bond shot a guy, <laughs> <laughs> Bond felt sad, Bond had a drink. Uh, not quite that simple. They're not picture books, uh, but thinking through why I like things, like well, okay, well, why yeah. would you? What what are the core ideas? Like I have like a spy idea that I want to get to because so much of what uh, Bond is in the popular conscience of like conscious of like he loves fine things well it's really well established in the first book is like because he thinks he's going to die the next day Mm -hmm. so he wants to have the best of everything so he can have experienced life Mm -hmm. it's like i think about ideas like that and like i love that idea and it's been lost it's like i want to write an espionage thing that's about that yeah why do you chase the finer things you know yeah absolutely do you have any um dis inspirations <laughs> i don't know the right term for that <laughs> yeah that, that you want to talk about yeah well i i don't think i have any well uh okay i'll have one specific that's okay. kind of controversial okay, we're since ready. we're in james bond i'm big on theme mm-hmm. and i there are plenty of writers out there who are like don't write to theme write the plot write the click characters and the theme will emerge mm-hmm. but i really like to think of like what is this about you know what question is it asking or what is it making the the viewer almost uh uh unconsciously think about yeah kind of thing so i get i'm disinspired when i see something that sets up a theme and it claim in the the story sort of claims that the theme has been accomplished but the actions of the characters in the plot do not actually support the theme. Mm-hmm. And you've heard me go on and on about say, this. I can agree. I can uh, attest to this. <laughs> yes. The thing that always jumps to mind, I think it is a great movie in many ways, but Skyfall sets up the thematic question, is Bond still relevant? Is Bond still needed? Mm-hmm. Do the old ways work? And then at the end, there's all sorts of triumphant imagery of Bond and the Union Jack and, you know, being England's, uh, you know, hero. But he fails at the actual goal and the old ways actually don't work. I mean, it's, it's all interesting stuff that happens character-wise. It's all mm-hmm. interesting stuff that happens plot-wise. But in my opinion, and this is just my reading of the film, it doesn't follow through on the theme. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't feel that joyous, like, yes. Bond and this movie proved their case. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's that, uh, which is a little bit more of an esoteric one. I think I feel like it's a lesson every time I see something that is just totally bland. Where basically, to go back to that analogy, somebody built structurally a perfectly beautiful house. It's exactly to a textbook how a writing house should be built. And then it is just the most boring, lifeless lacking in specificity or humanity interior decorating yeah where it's the hero does the hero thing because the hero is the hero and they should or even getting you know into tropes where it's like 
well, it's for family. Mm-hmm. Like, family stories can be powerful, but not unless they're specific and real. So mm-hmm. it's just like somebody is doing something to save their family because family is the most important thing. Yeah. That's always a lesson to me of like, don't do that. Right. Risk injecting too much idiosyncratic humanity mm-hmm. because even if it's a little flawed, even if your house doesn't make a lot of sense, it's still <laughs> more fun. Like what, what in, in real life, what would you rather walk through? A perfect model home that has every throw pillow exactly where you expect it to be? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to walk through the Winchester Mystery House and go, why the hell did you do this? Right. Who are you? Right. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. yeah. Do you want the all neutrals except the bedroom as a little yeah. shade of blue because that aids sleep and calmness? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And here's yeah, the anger great. room. It's all red because that's the <laughs> color of anger. It all makes sense. And that can be a danger. Uh, yeah. You know, if you don't pay enough attention to structure, things do start falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So we're going to switch gears a little bit okay. because I want to hear a little bit about um, your writing process Ooh. and part B, how your writing process has changed since social media. <laughs> That's <laughs> just cruel. Uh, well, I mean, it is a, it's a challenge because I think uh, for me, a writing the writing process is uh, ideally you have an idea mm-hmm. and you really spark to it. And for me, because I've produced a lot of what I've written, it was always having that starting with an idea and a goal. Mm -hmm. So like when I used to write a lot of plays for the Fringe Festival, if I got an idea, Fringe happens in August. If I got an idea of in October of the previous year, I'd be like, perfect. That's -hmm. what I'm going to do in August. And then I have a year to just not a full year, but to have like just. That's what's on my mind as I'm walking through life, as I'm getting a haircut, as I'm stuck in traffic. In every creative idea that flits through your mind, you go, does that fit in the thing that I'm doing? Right. That was a really great writing process when kind of the, a lot of the major writing I was doing was almost on a yearly cycle. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's it can get broken down into, for me, write down all of the ideas that you have in a master document so you have them all. And then... Don't delete that document so you ever lose any of those ideas, but then start to make an outline and start to, you know, get rid of some of the ideas and focus on others. Uh, and then I think a lot of the traditional thing is, you know, the the rough draft that's too long, that has problems, but so you can have the satisfaction of having finished. And so you can see the house. And so you yeah. can see, like, I meant to build a skyscraper and I built a rambler that covers 40 miles and sometimes you can go cool i didn't know it was meant to be an endless rambling compound yeah that's perfect that's what it should be or you can go oh damn i need to fix this uh and then you just zero in you zero in you zero in and it gets Mm -hmm. gets better and closer hopefully to uh what your initial idea was yeah so to answer the second part of your question yeah the problem with that system for me (laughs) right now is I'm writing lots of different things because I'm writing things that are, you know, to make money. Uh, I'm writing things on spec, so I don't know if they'll ever get done. And there's that push-pull of do you write something that you think is going to be really approachable or you do try to write something that's just totally honestly you. So when somebody sees it, it just goes, wow, no one else could have written this, mm-hmm. which I think I lean toward that being always the better choice, mm-hmm. uh, but not always. Uh, so I have lots of different projects, and honestly... For better or worse, social media has taken a lot of that. Just I'm wandering. My brain is floating. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still doing performance stuff. So stand up is another thing where like you can have totally different writers uh, antennae up for stand up. Right. Because 
if let, let's say I'm going to write that espionage idea I have, like I have an idea of like, oh, I might do it as a web series. I might turn it into a movie. It might be, you know, a podcast or whatever, or I could do it as a cartoon strip. If I have that in my mind, I can just kind of float and any idea that's in that realm will mm-hmm. go in that. But like stand up, you're just walking around like anything you see at any time, like a very small interaction between a person and a dog could be amazing if you see something deeper or more human in it or if you see a weird billboard ad you know like you just have to be like constantly scanning everything around you to see sort of what at least the way I do it I mean because I like to like find things that are real in the world and then have an honest reaction to them of what we what I think is funny about them or what I think is true about them and therefore maybe what is true about myself Mm -hmm. uh so there's a lot of different kinds of writing competing for my just floating brain. Yeah. And social media just sucks up a tremendous amount of the floating brain, which yeah. is probably not a great thing. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you get inspiration from social media, though? Yeah. Or that it helps you maybe filter through, um, kind of sieve out into the correct, like, oh, this goes into the comedy, the stand-up filing cabinet. Oh, this should go into the podcast filing cabinet or the like future um, screenplay idea filing cabinet does any of that does social media ever help you filter through the noise in your head uh no i am (laughs) thankful for some of the noise that it adds but it and i'm really wrestling with this because i like i've been reading some of uh david lynch's writings and interviews more about um about writing because I think I need a little bit more of that. I think early earlier in my career, mm-hmm. I was totally goal oriented. Like I, I and and many of the people I used to perform and write with in Minneapolis have done a million jokes about the best way to write a show is to book it. So you just right. have the <laughs> deadline, and I do think that is valid. But my life has turned into so many deadlines of like, hey, it's Tuesday, and I have three podcasts to promote uh, on Twitter. I want to make sure that I also have three jokes. In between those, so my Twitter feed is not just so, oh, what's going on in the world? Oh, I should make a joke about it. And then you're like, oh, but I actually do have to finish that little that uh, outline of an idea I was going to send to my manager, so I have to do that. But the th- real thing that I'm going to work on today is this <laughs> big. So I just get so splintered, and everything just becomes about, um, even though it's creative, it's almost too much creativity. And I think I'm sort of reconnecting to Lynch because he is so much about that idea of, you have to be in just a calm place and your mind has to float. Yeah. And I want to get, I have to find ways to get back to the floating place. I like that. The floating <laughs> place. Would it be helpful for you if I just sent you pictures of the ocean and said, is it floating time? Uh, I'm going to be very honest. <laughs> no. I know. That's why I would never actually do that. And we're safe so, asking that here on a podcast. <laughs> it's so nice and so well-intentioned. The good thing I'll say about social media is I think it does open you up to lots of different ideas. I think mm-hmm. there are people who give great writing advice. And sometimes I've seen some like writing advice go by and I'll be like, oh, yeah, this idea I've been wrestling with, I could I could go back and look at it from this perspective of is it accomplishing this specific good advice goal um, or the number one thing for social media for me of just seeing lots of different people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. And I think that has made me a better human being and a better writer because yeah. especially if you're writing anything narrative with lots of different voices, you just, you have to have so much appreciation for the perspectives of all the characters. And also for me, just writing things that are different. So writing things that are still come from me, come mm-hmm. from my perspective, my voice, 
um, but also being aware that I want to be mindful of all of the different ways to see something. Like in stand-up yeah. in particular, you just yeah. it, it, to me it makes better and more creative stand-up to say, I know that this is going to be received differently by lots of different people, so I need to be sure that I am saying something that's very true to me, mm-hmm. and I'm saying it, and it's clear what I mean. Yeah. You know? Right, right. That just because whatever you're thinking and how you approach it, it's a better understanding, I think, now that we have social... Hopefully people had this understanding before (laughs) that not everybody comes from our same approach to life. But I think that makes it like you can't be on social media without having that awareness. I think. Yeah. You can be. You can do. People do all sorts of things. Yeah. Is that what you mean, though? Or am I twisting what you're saying? No, I think um, I think just the value of perspective in, in every way, the value of perspective in terms of being sensitive. So you don't accidentally make a joke that um super upsets people because you weren't thinking about it from that perspective but when you do you see that oh i'm saying a shitty hurtful thing when i do not intend to right so there's just that um but there's also just the value of i think with social media um when something happens in the world the no matter how funny they are the first five most obvious joke reactions everyone has had them so Mm -hmm. i think it is making stand-up and comedy in general be a little bit more personal and real and that has to be about perspective so i think is a is a writer of stand-up and a writer in in everything yeah it's made me interrogate where am i coming from Mm -hmm. and how can i make this you know both unique and universal so people so it's a human thing that people relate to yeah yeah that's great I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Nicely done. Is there any form of writing that you would not want to try? Oh, wow. Um, I've done poetry. Like I did some very bad uh, poetry in a literary magazine. And then when I was in college, I took a couple poetry classes and I like it. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes truly great poetry veers into overly sincere for me. Or I, I have a hard time striking the right tone between poking fun at poetry like yeah i feel like i can write i can write good lyrical actually beautiful stuff mm-hmm. but i think a little bit of the comedy writer in me has the natural instinct to both build if i'm building up beauty to tear it down a little bit too because that's <laughs> <laughs> that's what comedy does yeah it kicks the legs out of things if somebody told you the only way you could continue to be a writer was if you wrote everything as a limerick <laughs> Would you continue to be a writer or would you um, have that with that? What would be your reaction? It would be a fun challenge. <laughs> Limericks would be easier for me than like everything needs to be pun based. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not a big fan of, of puns. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand that many people are. I understand it. It comes down to even like a sort of brain chemistry uh, thing. Um, not super big on puns. I don't mind wordplay, but sometimes wordplay can become a little obvious if it's super clever it's amazing mm-hmm. um limericks i think i'd be okay with because limericks to me uh how, how this is a weird way to put it but limericks to me are the uh the jerry lewis of poetry <laughs> <laughs> where uh in his day in his context he was shockingly in a revolutionary way funny like truly mm-hmm. what he was doing was funny yeah in the context of his time but as he got older, it was the idea of him that became hilarious. And limericks have that too, where they're like, the actual limerick could be funny or not, 
but limericks themselves have like this very funny weighted baggage Mm -hmm. with them yeah you know because the expectation that they are going to be dirty or stupid or you know (laughs) yeah so then like if you're you're Mm -hmm. like all right you have to write a sincere eulogy for a loved one and it has to be a limerick Mm -hmm. that's already interesting because like Mm -hmm. how how are you gonna make that not sound like (laughs) the worst thing ever Uh uh-huh yeah okay well, I'm going to start looking for my weekly limerick from you. All right, we'll see. So, if an animal could sit near you for inspiration, what would it be? An animal could sit near, like, I would be inspired by the animal? Yeah, like, you're like, okay, I need to focus, I need to concentrate, and your mind made this physical, actual animal appear and just be, like, near you as a calm presence. <laughs> uh well, I love squirrels, uh-huh. but squirrels are my current not great writing influence where everything is fast. They're going from one place to the other. They know their objective. They know what they want. Yeah. They're going to go over here to get it. They're going to go over here to get it. <laughs> and then every once in a while, they're going to stop and focus really, really hard. But then their concentration is broken. So that's probably where I am. Okay. So as much as I love squirrels, okay. maybe a flying squirrel is just gliding Ooh, through the air. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if this is why you asked, but you, for the last two to three years, have been buying me... Uh, sloth calendars mm-hmm. that i've been putting over my desk and over my computer and i think sloths i think mm-hmm. i think there's definitely a part of writing that is exciting and dynamic and i've written some amazing stuff when i have uh, absolute deadline breathing down my neck i think three times in my life i've literally pulled all-nighters and just said i'm gonna it's gonna be not great but this draft needs to get done so i'm literally gonna stay up all night yeah and pound it out um but I think right now I want to reconnect to that. Like, you don't have to worry about time. You don't have to worry if the idea is good or bad. You just have to worry if it's true, if it makes you laugh, if it makes you excited. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? And yeah. I feel like sloths uh, would be a, a good mood for that. Mm-hmm. They have their objective. They stay focused on it, but they yeah. take their time getting there. Yeah. yeah. How about yeah, a, nice. a slightly panicked sloth? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like a swimming sloth, because sloths, when they're swimming, do have to keep up a certain speed. Yeah. So oh, a swimming drift. sloth. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would want to be in a pool with a laptop <laughs> and a swimming sloth. Well, you could have like an aquarium in front of your desk that has just like synchronized swimming sloths. <laughs> <laughs> that is all I would ever write about, the synchronized swimming of the sloths. <laughs> okay. I have one more question for you before we get to the next question, next section. Okay. If the works that you wrote, like your whole collective body of works... Mm. In the story of the world, we're an animal. <laughs> <laughs> what animal would they be and why? What animal would they be and why? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's The animal questions are really hard. <laughs> I feel like I have, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing to think about your body of writing because mm-hmm. I think a lot of creators have specific things that they obsess on. And you see, um, to go back to my analogy once again, you see... Similar buildings with different interior decoration. So it it feels like I'm at home. I know where all the rooms are, but I don't know what I'm going to find in this room. I mean, I think that goes from uh, Shakespeare to uh, just because the the world is talking about him a lot. Ryan Johnson, his movies have similar themes. So many Mm -hmm. creators have uh, similar through lines and themes. Yeah. And it's a weird question for me to ask myself, do... I have those. I mean, I know I have like go-to jokes. I know I have things that make 
me laugh. Um, but I'm getting to the animals. Yeah, or I'm, it could tr- be I'm the, trying to get the to the animals. And also, I, I will give you an alternate option. Okay. If you want to choose, um, describe the building, you built, <laughs> the, archi- the piece of architecture. If it's a skyscraper. No, 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 no. I'm okay. gonna, I'm gonna answer, answer your, this, I'm gonna okay. answer your question. <laughs> the skyscraper full of animals. Uh, maybe that's what it is. Um, but so I feel like there, it, it is natural. Like is, I have been criticized, you know, for in various different medias of things that I've done by people going like, eh, you did the same, like and other, that's a common thread on YouTube comments and that of like lazy writing, like, you know, people are reaching into their soul and this is what speaks to them. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge within that is to make sure that you're approaching those ideas from different perspectives. Um, so, I mean, all this rambling is to say that I feel like I have always from a very young age thought that is a truth of an artist they're gonna return to themes and vibes because a good artist is putting themselves into their writing as little horcruxes uh-huh. <laughs> not violent not good horcruxes they didn't right. have to kill anybody right uh maybe they killed some bad ideas of their own to get their horcruxes made but so there's that side of it and then there's that side that you should strive to make things different and like when i was doing the fringe festival i made an active choice to do really different things like here is a uh a parody of interactive theater mixed with shakespeare but the next year is a children's show about squirrels and the next year after that is about auditioning to play satan in a tv show and like tried to really specifically do wildly different things mm-hmm. um but i feel like they were all very very me yeah. still um i will agree having seen those Okay, good, good. So uh, what animal would that be? You know what? I'll go to squirrel. I think okay. there I think there is a squirrel energy to all of the things that uh, I have created because I think they um, they have a sort of a, a, a forward movement quality. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my writing I have focused on louder, faster, bigger, sort of structurally. Uh, mm-hmm. in in a good way, but then I think uh, they still have the moments of suddenly stopping and staring. <laughs> the, the focus and the focus on the theme and ideas and big pictures and yeah. characters. So yeah, I think I'm, that's... Yeah, I'm an obsessive person. That's why I do the obsessive <laughs> podcast. I think that's an excellent answer. All right, we're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Thank you, uh, Sarah, for grilling me on that. Now you're going to grill me with uh, the How Obsessed Are You questions. Yes, I am. All right. (laughs) Okay. Do you think about writing every day? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like at this point, like when my friend kindly suggested you do this, I didn't. I didn't think about writing as an obsession because that's like somebody saying like, why don't you do a podcast about your arm? Mm Because it's it's always there and you're always using it. (laughs) You're always waving that arm of yours around. Why don't you do a podcast? That's how I feel about writing. Okay. Yeah. I think it's good you're doing this. (laughs) Would you ever get a writing tattoo? Oh, um, I think I would consider it. I think I've discussed on this podcast that I want a tattoo, Mm -hmm. but I have a hard time making that decision of exactly what and when. Mm -hmm. I've so for so long thought that I would get uh, the rebel insignia, the resistance insignia, maybe the uh, Jedi Order insignia. Mm -hmm. Writing is close enough to my heart that, yeah, I would be uh, happy to put it on my body. Mm -hmm. But the image. Yeah. Would it be an image? Would it be a word? (laughs) (laughs) Would it be root? What if I just got written? uh, Right? 
What if I just got uh, like on my arm first draft down my arm? I should be writing. I should be writing. No, because I think there's <laughs> such horrible. a fine balance in in the pressure. That's what I'm getting back to. This like you do have to pressure yourself, or you won't do it because it's yeah. really hard and stressful and scary. No matter how much you've written, it's still every time you you face a blank page or a blinking cursor, it's still scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need that pressure, but too much pressure, you just start to stress yourself out. Yeah. Um, the I love typewriters. In yeah. college, I uh, resisted having to uh, get a computer, and I had an old uh, L.C. Smith typewriter, mm-hmm. and I literally used that typewriter to, to write a bunch of papers. A bunch of early comedy sketches are literally typed out on a 1940 typewriter. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would be an extremely painful tattoo to get. It's lots of fussy little buttons in a typewriter. So then my mind goes to like the image of a quill, and that's just like, yeah. no, no, that's just dumb. So I think I need... I can see the typewriter for you. A typewriter? Yeah, a big typewriter mm-hmm. across my back. <laughs> no. So I would consider it, but it would be a very... Talk about a stressful writing choice where you, you can't ever... Well, I guess you can revise it, but it would be a lot of work. So I have to think about the, the right word the right idea yeah Mm, here yeah this might be a thing i wouldn't do it as an image i don't know about text right another writing analogy that i'm big on is that uh writing is jumping off a cliff or a skyscraper and then figuring out how you're gonna land okay because to me that gets to the two halves of it of when you have the initial idea it's so exciting and thrilling just like it would feel to throw yourself just into this into the air and just fly and just who knows what this could be but it's so thrilling but then the technical part of like if i'm trying to write a three act structure it should work and it should be a three then that part is like well how do i land yeah without dying so you have the thrilling and you have the practical so maybe if i could condense that into a limerick I was really curious how you're going to get all this into an image that fits like... It wouldn't be an image because I'd want a tattoo of just a person jumping off something. A little step process. One, two, three. I'm going to land. It's going to be safe. It's going to be okay. Jump, land, profit. I'll write that. (laughs) I look forward to reading the limerick. Okay. Have you had or would you want to have a dream about writing? Uh, I I have. I would like that. I was just reading a thing the other day about how most dreams are about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had dreams that inspire writing. I do. I mean, one of the good things about social media is I realize that I can look back at some of my tweets and go like, oh, that's a kernel for another idea for a larger thing. Yeah. And I often do uh, write these tweets that are last night's dream that I write about a dream yeah. that I had that's funny or weird to me. The main writing one I've had has been tied up with a with performance anxiety where mm-hmm. I'm suddenly get to perform at a really cool place, but I was not told. So I could have written this awesome thing, prepared it. Yeah. When I was relatively young, it sticks in my mind. I it was a I could I got an opportunity to perform on a pyramid, like an Egyptian pyramid. Uh but nobody had told me. They were just like, and next up, these people. And like, this was a dream. A dream. <laughs> and I could have... You went to Egypt? <laughs> no, I've been hiding a lot from you. Uh, no, no. So like wow. that dream that dream of... I could have... I believe that I could have made something amazing and something perfect for this audience if it's a live performance thing. Yeah. But I hadn't been told. Told. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot to unpack in there. <laughs> yes, there is. Okay. That'll be another podcast. <laughs> That'll be a private conversation in our home. <laughs> 
Do you have or want writing merch? Ooh, like yes. Action figures, bed sheets, shower curtains. Um, yeah, I think at some point rings. somebody did action figures. You know how much I love action figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would. Yeah, if is the right writer, I wouldn't mind a a Douglas Adams action figure. That'd be fun. Um, you certainly mm-hmm. can get like there's a Stanley Pop vinyl pop that I kind of want. Yeah, there must be some sort of like David Lynch action figure. I don't know if there's a Lynch one. There's for sure like a Shakespeare one, like, you yeah. know, kind of late 90s, early 2000s. There's this sort of kitschy, like, here's Shakespeare, here's Jane Austen, yeah. all of those kind of action figures. I think I have a Shakespeare one, uh, not with us. I think, um, you, I think you do. But I, it's kind of merch, but I l- have a bunch of different postcards, some of which you've given me that are either something we have seen out in the world that inspires that, like, real creative aspect or um one that i've had by my desk on and off a ton is uh the monument to sir walter scott in edinburgh yes and there's so much in edinburgh that is tributes to artists and like sir walter scott is so revered for putting edinburgh on the map by being a writer and that was the first time i think i went to a physical location where like this city gives a shit about writers <laughs> that did the the actual yeah, image other than shakespeare yeah that yeah. image of that uh it is really a cool image and it was really inspiring to me and you you got me that postcard that's by my, my desk now which is in from the vonnegut uh museum that I is did. a typewriter mm-hmm. uh that in a little vonnegut illustration on the typewriter so yeah i, I like little i like images yeah that reconnect me to what what i want my writing to be for for merch mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Would you want a throw pillow with something writing inspired on it? If it was something that was like fun and reconnecting to, like I wouldn't mind a throw pillow that was a picture of someone (laughs) jumping off a cliff because it reconnects (laughs) me to that energy. But if it was like, I think it's funny and I I tweet these jokes about procrastination and about, you know, being committed, but I just don't want too much visually that's the that's wagging its finger at me. Like a sure. throw pillow that says you should be writing. Yeah. Honestly, half the time I sat down by it, it would be right. But I just don't <laughs> want to be fucking yelled at by a throw pillow. Right. What if it were just like um, a typewriter? A typewriter would be nice because that's the, that gets to me like, ah, that. Like it's an aesthetic choice. It's an aesthetic. And for me, a typewriter is an image of like, that's just this technical machine, but any beautiful thing can be birthed from it mm-hmm, by exactly. you putting your fingers on it somebody could be writing up some receipts or something on it as well as writing beautiful absolutely words. and they might yeah. be beautiful and creative like typewritten spreadsheets <laughs> <laughs> okay would you buy and eat novelty writing cereal yes because it's just so <laughs> dumb and fun yeah if it was a cereal that was just a bunch of typewriters yeah or honestly like if a cereal is like you know custom made your favorite author's heads <laughs> Or like the, um, what are they, Marbits, the little Lucky oh, Charms? Oh, yeah, the Marbits for sure, if yeah. If those were like little books or quills or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And having written many jokes about Marbits for General, General Mills, Mills, yes, <laughs> I'd be happy to do that. Okay, if you were trapped uh, in an elevator with another person, how long would it take before writing came up? Mm, that's a really, uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, I think my instinct would be to interview the other person. <laughs> so if they brought up writing. Yeah. I think as soon as they uh, asked me about myself, writing would come up. It would come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I was trapped in an elevator with a person, mm-hmm. because uh, when you tell somebody that you're... I, my go-to nouns are usually writer and comedian, mm-hmm. but I almost always wanted to lead with writer because I can take the conversation 800 different places. As soon as you say comedian, 
people ask you to prove it. They think that comedian only means a very specific kind of stand-up comedian. Yeah. They want to pitch you jokes and then ask you why you don't laugh. <laughs> and if you're trapped in an elevator, they're uh-huh. going to expect you to entertain them until you're both rescued. Yeah, so the second yeah. anybody... So the time thing would be, I would try to ask the other person questions because that's my instinct. And if they're the kind of person who is just content to talk about themselves for three hours until we're rescued, it might never come up. But if they're the kind of person who would ask me about myself, writing would come up right away. Right away. Gotcha. Would you cosplay as a famous writer at a genre convention? <laughs> I kind of like that idea. I think you should. I think I would. I think... Who? I would, you know, I might go through various writers and see if I can figure out if who who dresses in a distinct style. I wouldn't want to do like a wig. I wouldn't do want a Kurt Vonnegut because it would be like a wig and a mustache and like that. That would just make me feel dopey. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I could figure out another writer who dresses in a distinctive way that I so also feel comfortable dressing as. Yeah. And then have people just be like, you wearing a baggy black coat or are you someone, you yeah. know? Are there any writers that you feel like you look like? Mm, no, I've never thought about that. I, I yeah, haven't thought about I it. I can't. Either. Yeah, think about. Uh, that's hard to think about. And also, I just like I remind myself to just have a very wide idea of what writer means. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you could dress up as Robert Louis Stevenson. Do I look like him? I mean, he's got dark hair. <laughs> okay, how about this? I'll go to a convention, <laughs> just have my normal coats. hair, and just tell people I'm Robert Louis Stevenson. I don't know. I like that idea. I'll have to look at more than one photo. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, If aliens visited Earth and you were the first to greet them, would you give them a piece of your writing? Mm, That is potentially so vain. Like, I would (laughs) not be like, here's... Hello, welcome. Here's the first thing you need to read. (laughs) Here's this play I wrote called Adventures in Mating. It's a choose-your-own-adventure play. Uh, I I think there's such a vanity to that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because when I ask these how obsessed are you questions, like my perspective on that question is, is your obsession something that you think would help aliens understand and appreciate us? Or are you right. just so obsessed with your thing that you're obsessed with? Right. So when I think about like my own writing, yeah, I think, no, no, I don't think so. Um, but if it was like, hey, for whatever reason I was picked, I would present my writing in that it feels like a fun challenge to say, like, can I write, like you're writing a speech, can I write a perfect introduction? Yeah. You know, so if it's specifically, this is what I'm writing it for. Yeah. Or and I'm not if- just like, here's the episode of Tigtone I wrote. <laughs> like, uh, that's weird. Yeah. But if it was, all right, here's, like, this is, speaking of process, this is a thing that, like, my mind goes, ooh, I immediately have seven ideas. Mm-hmm. And I know how to start organizing it. And that's the most exciting place to be in writing when like, let me add that blank page because I can fill that fucker right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be done, but it's going to, you know, so that idea of like, what would be all the best things to say to Aileen? You want to show you have a sense of humor. You want to show a sense of peace, but you also want to show a sense of strength. You want to ask about them while still telling them about what humanity is. Mm-hmm. Um, given the last episode of this podcast where we talked about, uh, uh, UFOs. Yeah. Um, I honestly think like one of the first things that I would say in any piece of writing would be like, aliens, the first thing that you need to know is we have an insane amount of baggage about you. We cannot <laughs> look at you objectively because we have written 
eight million stories about you coming here as conquerors, coming here as pacifists, coming here as unknowable things, coming here and being killed by the common cold. We are obsessed with you, and we have been for a long time, so forgive us. It's going to take us a little while to get past our baggage and understand who you truly are. Yeah. Like, I think that's yeah. the first thing that I would write yeah. to say like, to an alien. You are the rock star, and we have all been the groupies in your band, except we didn't know how to follow you. Yeah, but we made you up, but we, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have our own different idea of what yes. you may or may not be. We spent centuries trying to guess what you might think. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you finished writing something and you only had one copy of it, and a bear grabbed it. Would you try to get it back from the bear? Yes. <laughs> I, How? Yes. Uh, I'd try to be real fast, like a, like a little squirrel. Okay. And this is no time to be a sloth. This okay. is a time to be a squirrel. Like maybe I'd make a distracting motion in one gesture and then try to grab it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, there is that just instinctual, deep pain of possibly losing something you created yeah. that for me would override instincts of safety. Mm-hmm. Like if I had a script and it blew out into the street, I would run after it. Mm-hmm. And then I'd check for cars in that order. I'd still try to get out of the way of the cars, but they, it's just, I know it. I, yeah, <laughs> uh, that well, I, I know it is a controversial film. I have to say that every time I bring it up, but, there's that scene in Love Actually where he is trying to be a, a romantic in the larger sense of the word romance, and he is uh, writing on a typewriter and all blows away. Mm-hmm. And that feeling of, God, don't yeah. ever write like that. Yeah. <laughs> don't ever take those risks. No. What yeah. if a bear had got it? Right. <laughs> and he had been mauled to death. That would have been a very different Love Actually. It People might been. like that movie better. <laughs> Can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with writing? Oh, uh, you'd think I would be prepared doing this podcast all the time. Um, I think it would be... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, because uh, that's a little bit of the sound of, of jumping mm-hmm. with both joy and a, a little bit of concern. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, maybe another one would be okay. just like the... Like when you finish something is a great, Ooh. just that, that sort of that uh, a small private celebration the moment you finish something and you haven't even told anybody else you finished it, but you did. Yeah, you I know? like that. Can I hear that one again? Yeah. <laughs> okay. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your obsession? Uh, I, full 10 in both healthy ways and unhealthy ways. Because <laughs> I think when, when writing is going well and I have... Um, a clear goal with what the writing is for it's going to be produced or it's a spec that i feel really excited about or it's uh, writing for hire and i'm happy to do it and all that mm-hmm. um there, there's kind of nothing better than being obsessed being fully like yeah this is my world you know it's dangerous because you can lock other other people and other ideas out when you just totally disappear into the world of what you're writing but you know when you do it for a limited time at least for me that is the best way to write to just feel like I know the tone of this. I know what this character would say because I, I live inside it. I I am this. This is my whole world. Yeah. So sometimes good writing, I think, requires 
a deep amount of obsession. Then you mm-hmm. have to come back out of it and make sure, like, is the world literally on fire around me? Am I paying attention to the people I have responsibilities toward? Mm-hmm. All that. Um, and then there is the, I think, a lot of obsession for me right now of feeling like, how can I figure out my life, my schedule, my mood, my brain, so that I'm always doing the good kind of obsessing? Yeah. So I think even on days where I get zero writing done, except for to maybe write two Twitter jokes, I'm even more obsessed with writing because I'm like, how can I get more time and make it work more smoothly? Mm-hmm. So yeah, big old 10. Mm-hmm. I will agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Very deadpan and honest. All right. So we're going to move on to the plugging section. Thank you uh, for hosting so much of this podcast and asking me oh, really great questions. And yeah. thanks for surprising me. Yeah. My um, pleasure. Yeah. So let's start with uh, your plugs. Do you got anything that you would like to plug where people can find you on social media? I am on social media. I'm on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Um, no H on Sarah. I do not write very often. I just enjoy other people's writings. And I write occasionally. You do. Mm-hmm. You do. On Twitter. You write on Twitter. Yeah. And you have notebooks. <laughs> yes, There's yes. Little, some I little just, ideas jotted down. I, I meant in the in the Twitter sphere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here are some uh, quick plugs for this show before our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. As this episode is being released, I am at the Big Geek Convention in Minneapolis, Convergence. I'm doing a ton of shows and podcasts, Uh, so if you're at Convergence or about to go there and listening to this, uh, go to the website josephscrimshaw.com, check that live shows page, and there's a link to everything I'm doing at Convergence. And of course, you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full and full in that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And I realize, since this is the writing episode... Another thing that I should plug is uh, some of my plays uh, get produced. They're available for uh, royalties, Mm -hmm. and I have a page on my website uh, for that as well. It's the josephscrimshaw.com slash buy page. You can buy PDFs of many of the scripts. Uh, yeah. If you're anybody who's in charge of a theater, um, the inconvenient, an inconvenient squirrel gets produced by uh, a lot of schools, and it's won a lot of uh, regional competitions with the uh, the people, the kids doing the production. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, go check that out on josephscrimshaw.com/slash buy. All right. Okay. I'm going to ask you the final questions because I want to ask you some fun things too. <laughs> since you got to ask me lots of stuff. Uh, the first weird final question is. If someone wrote something about you, what would you want it to be? Would you want it to be like a poem, a song, a biography of your life? What would you want it to be? What form? A limerick? <laughs> uh, yes, a limerick. Um, a song. I feel like a... I mean, if it's me, it should really be a song and dance number. Uh, <laughs> like a musical. Oh. Um, I, I think I did actually in high school. A friend wrote a poem that was inspired by our friendship. Oh. So that's a nice thing. Um. Yeah, I'm, g- I'm going to go with the song. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, I have uh, put things that you, funny things that you have said, I have put in my stand-up and given you full credit. Yes. So you have appeared in my stand-up. Your writing has appeared in my stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> and I give you full credit. It's not buried on any sort of like you have to look at the, the oh, compact no, disc. No, I say it me. out loud because <laughs> people should be credited for their funny jokes. All right. If you could transform into a superhero... By shouting a word or phrase, what word or phrase would you want to shout? Sassafras. 
<laughs> is that uh, why? Because <laughs> it's a fun word. Sassafras. Sassafras. Okay. And then you like twirl and whirl and jump in the air and whatever. And you turn yeah. into Sassafras, Captain Sassafras. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Do you have any idea what your powers would be? Is Captain Sassafras very strong? Um, because <laughs> Sassafras is um, a type of tree, right? And so, like, strong. Um, you know what? Here's a superpower: healing. Healing. Yeah, strong and healing, and also like a little, <laughs> a little bit of like able to uh, um, um, cloud people's minds. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so healing and hypnotism. Pretty much. What yeah. do you mean by cloud people's minds? That's what I mean. Is like, uh, just um, make them go. Whoa! What was I doing? Just like yeah, a little bit of that brain fog. A little bit of that brain like, fog. I, I'm able to like shoot. Brain frog, brain frogs, <laughs> brain frogs, uh, brain fog. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, the final question for everyone on the podcast is, "What is happiness?" <laughs> I know I've asked you this a lot. Answers change, but it also seemed after an episode where you very kindly interviewed me about something that I obsess over in good ways and bad ways. Yeah, uh, that affects our life together. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it seemed just out of like safety, just checking in with you as my partner. <laughs> I should ask you what is happiness. I just laugh because I should be ready for this question every single time. <laughs> and I never am. Um, I'm going to say today that happiness happiness is doing something that you love. I think that's a really, really good answer. Because when it, the happiness discussion comes up a lot, there's a lot of question about whether it is the journey or the destination. Mm -hmm. Like, are you happy because you've done something or because you're doing something? And I, I've made the joke about writing a lot. Of like, I, I don't generally enjoy writing. I enjoy having written. Mm -hmm. But the goal, the best thing, is when you're smack dab in the middle of something and you just feel like, yes, I'm totally in this world and it's just flowing and flowing. That's almost an even better feeling, a even better happiness than just, I finished the thing. Mm -hmm. They're both great, but I think a harder to obtain kind of happiness for humans is being happy in the moment with what you're doing, not with where you're going to end up. Yeah, and I can stay having sat here while you were talking about imagining like you've got all the different ideas and you know where to slot them on the piece of paper and how excited and energized you were when you were talking about that yeah um i'm sure it came across on the radio but just in case it was all very i'm a person who always talks with my hands but your hands were all over the place and your eyes were all over the place and your entire face was like glowing and you were probably three inches off your chair uh, with excitement so i'm gonna say that that you're Physical motions also agree with what you just said. Okay. Happiness is waving your hands around. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer for today. Thank you so much for interviewing me and doing kind of a, a different uh, episode of Obsessed. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for asking me to interview you. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Ooh, um, I thought of another writing inspiration. And this is partially because I think when we talk about writing inspirations, we can kind of go to like teen years or our 20s and think about who like who hooked us, who got us excited. Uh, but I really like the idea of discovering other writers as you progress in life. And a writer that I've discovered in the last couple of years that I really admire and think about, wow, I would like to do 
you know, I, I'm inspired to do something similar is uh, the novelist Claudia Gray. Uh, she's I discovered her because she's written a bunch of really great Star Wars books. Uh, in, in particular, she has a writing style on page where you, the prose disappears in a great way. It's still distinctive. It's still unique. It's still flavorful and fun. It's impactful, but it's so well written to just make you forget that you're reading a book and you're inside the story. And I'm really inspired to look at and think about what kind of prose just makes you, and this can translate to lots of different kind of writings, what uh, is like Claudia Gray, where it, you just forget you're actively being told a story and you're just in it, flying around. So I would say another inspiration, Claudia Gray. <laughs>